Welcome to our After the Bell podcast, brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. Our podcast is here to help teachers and tutors. We will be discussing the latest issues in education and sharing top tips for use in the classroom, both face-to-face or virtually. If you work in education and looking to improve or develop your skills, then this podcast is here to help you. To the After the Bell podcast brought to you by Thirsty Scholars Partnership. We're part of the Classroom Partnership. I'm Georgie, Director of Learning Development for the Classroom Partnership, and I'm very pleased to join you today again with our experts Helen Morgan and Andy Bridge. This is a series of podcasts focusing on various themes within education, and today we'll be focusing on support for our recently qualified teachers, also known as RQTs. Our experts Helen Morgan a previous head of school, and Andy Bridge, current deputy principal, returned to share their top tips and reflections and support available for recently qualified teachers. They are now going to go on and discuss, hopefully, because I can see them smiling at me, how to make the most of your recently qualified teacher year, so your RQT year. So let me start by handing over to Andy. Andy, can you actually define what, what is an RQT? Morning, Georgie. Yeah, of course. So um, an RQT, it's not really a term that we'd use in England anymore. Um, I think they've still got them in Wales, but in terms of what we actually mean by it to discuss it today, we'd be saying it's kind of year two of your teaching career. So you've done your teacher training, you've done your what we used to call an NQT year. It's the year following that. So um, it used to kind of be a, a cut of, of support. You'd be signed off and past that NQT year and then you'd kind of just almost be left to get on with um, teaching, whereas we're now in this two year early career framework. Um, so it's a, an extension of support provided um, that goes beyond what was your old fashioned NQT year. OK, excellent. So what we're looking at now, are, are you saying that there have been any kind of reforms that have improved um, sort of development for new teachers then? Yeah, definitely. So um, I think there's been that realisation that it's not a long enough training period to put that support in place in year one as a what we would call an NQT previously and then just cut that support off and say that actually that teacher's ready now so it's um, additional support than we previously had that continues for an extra 12 months um, which I think is really beneficial really welcome step. Helen what's your perspective about the introduction of um, a second year on the early career framework? Is this something, you know, a positive step that you would agree with? Yeah. Uh, hi, Georgie. Hi, Andy. I think it's a really positive step. Um, you know, what we we know um, has been happening across recent years is lots of teachers um, train. Um, they get QTS at the end of their training. Um, they may even pass their NQT year, but then they're leaving teaching um, within often the first five years of their career. Um, and I think one of the key reasons for that is that they feel like there's not a lot of, of support out there and not that continued development. And I think when at the start of your career, you have really, really good support and really good development that leads on from your training year into your first year, now into your second year, um, that should really help teachers with retention 
um, or schools with retention of teachers. But I also think it, it will make teachers feel really safe, feel really valued um, and, you know, allow them to kind of invest in the bit of their job that's really important, which is teaching and, and learning and spend more time on that. Yeah, thank you. Andy, would you expand on that at all? Now I'd agree with um, Helen from the school's perspective, hopefully it will help with that recruitment and retention and um, having less turnover of staff and, and for that early career teacher. It's just more gradual, it's more um, phased, that support's there for longer. And what that support looks like might be quite different by, by year two. What one teacher needs might be quite different than another. Um, so the kind of level of intensity of that support might vary by the individual, but there'll be a, a minimum expectation of mentoring support and training support that they know that regardless of whatever school they're in and um, whatever subject they teach, they'll be entitled to that support in year two. So I think it's definitely very positive. Yeah, I think there's also been a history of um, the quality of the first year, the teaching year has been very much dependent on their initial teacher placement. So actually having the opportunity to continue and embed sort of additional teacher training and support in year two has got to be a positive. Would you agree, Helen? Yeah, I, th I think that's a really great point. You know, um, what, what we've seen historically is um, the quality of support has been often dependent on the school that you're in and how much, you know, resource or capacity they have. Now there's an absolute entitlement for people in their NQT uh, and in their RQT uh, to have that continuous development. And I think, you know, as Andy said, kind of that step on from your NQT uh, where you really focus on your pedagogy and coming back to maybe some of those things that you've touched on in your training year and in your NQT uh, and deepening your understanding of those things and you know really beginning to refine and develop your practice is really valuable really valuable yeah thank you so much there helen i i, I can really see the value and it, it's a, a welcome change so it's great to hear so reflecting back on uh, a few years andy what do you remember from your your i mean i know last last podcast we discussed your your first initial teaching year what do you remember about year two? How memorable was it for you? Uh, it, it was memorable. So my RQT year, I'd just changed schools um, and took on a, a job in a new school as um, second in department for English and as coordinating key stage three English, um, which at the time I was really excited about, really enjoyed it, having some kind of leadership responsibility um, but on reflection I was probably doing that role too soon um, and what would have been more beneficial for me would have been that extra year at least focusing on my own practice and my own pedagogy before worrying about the curriculum across three year groups in a core subject or before worrying about mentoring other staff and improving provision to actually have had the time to just work on myself as a teacher so I did, I really enjoyed um, my RQT year, but it was a lot of change and I suddenly went from like being in NQT with a mentor and support to suddenly supporting other staff and having responsibility. And I think it, um, you know, I think I did okay at it and did my best with it, but I probably would have done a better job with it if I did that a year further down the line than when I did. 
what's your your perspective then Helen reflecting from um your experiences as a, an RQT so I think um, I'm just laughing there at Andy. Um, my, my RQT year was a long time before Andy. So my RQT year was um, 1996 to 1997. Um, and it feels like a really long time ago. But I had a really different experience in that um, the school that I, I was in. And again, this is where the provision often was down to the school. Um, their focus was that really nobody took on a TLR probably for the first five years of their career. Um, and you really focused on your teaching and it was an 11 to 18 school. So um, my head of department wouldn't let anybody teach A-level until you'd been teaching for two years. Um, and it was really about focusing on consolidating your classroom practice then getting ready to make that step up to A-level. Um, I remember shadowing um, in, I think, my third year, um, an A-level teacher for a year before I even started to teach A-level. And um, it was really kind of an opportunity to, to become a better teacher. Um, and I think having the space to do that um, was really helpful for, for me. But I think it's different for every person. Um, people will take different journeys. Some people will move faster. Some people will get to the same point, but it will take them longer. But I think the key thing with the early career framework is that entitlement to almost a minimum expectation of support during those first couple of years. Absolutely, and I, th I think in the um, the pilots they, uh, that they tried um, the RQT um, recognition and uh, mentoring support and development, research has shown that actually the, those teachers have remained in their careers um, and they've got greater aspiration and higher levels of job satisfaction were also reported. So I think there's it, that's really, really evidenced um the the rollout of this uh, this new yeah. approach yeah I mean, from uh, my perspective in school so i work in a school in doncaster um which was part of the early rollout of the kind of the trial period of the early career framework um we were identified as like one of the opportunity areas um so that's been really useful for us to see that impact on um teachers that are now in year two and how they're benefiting benefiting from the support and we've been able to kind of take that feedback as we've gone and um, learn from some of the things in the early rollout that we've maybe tweaked and refined to make sure that we feel our offer for our RQTs, as they were called, is, is really strong now. I think for me as well, kind of just building on that, you know, teaching's a long game, isn't it? You know, if you, if you start teaching um, straight from university, having done your training, you'll be starting teaching at 22, 23. And, you know, you're probably going to have at least 30 years if if that's your chosen career path in that career. So taking your time with it um, isn't necessarily a bad thing. I think often there's a, a rush to kind of climb up the ladder. Um, but actually becoming really good at what you do um, and developing that mastery of it is is really important and you know when you look at some of the research on motivation particularly from people like Daniel Pink he talks about three things doesn't he, he talks about um 
autonomy, autonomy, mastery and purpose. And I think purpose for teachers is really strong. I think teachers have a really strong sense of purpose and, you know, moral purpose, particularly in terms of what they're doing. I think teachers do really well when they have really high levels of autonomy. So they've got that chance to be a little bit self-directed with the development, but also that mastery idea that, you know, there's a strong desire to get better. Um, and I think what the early career framework does is is really, in lots of respects, promote those ideas of developing that intrinsic motivation for teachers as well. Yeah, I, I think that's really interesting, particularly on that autonomy one, because when um, you know, the early career framework has been rolled out, some of the comments I was hearing from those early career teachers was, oh, why, why is it now two years? Like, I've worked hard, I've done my degree, I've done my training, I've been observed and kind of assessed as a NQT. Why have I got to go another year before I'm properly qualified? And I think they felt that autonomy was take, kind of being taken away from them. But actually, um, you know, as we were talking about earlier, the QTS is still awarded at the end of the teacher training year. It's just that the induction has been lengthened. So that's not really reducing um, that autonomy or that sense of whether they're a qualified teacher or not. But actually, it's just the support is there, the entitlement, the mentoring and the CPD. So I think it's positive, even though initially some people were maybe feeling like it was dragging out their training for longer than it needed to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, sort of when we've spoken to um, other ECTs, certainly um, obviously we we work with the ECT partnership. Um, they have shared that actually their needs in their second and third year of, of teaching were very different. Their training and development was very different from what they needed in the first year. So they were perhaps in the first year they had to focus on behaviour management and assessment. And, and then in year two and two and three, they're then looking at progressing into sort of more depth in their subject, different year groups, different stages and other sort of considerations around progression and middle leadership roles. So it's it's good to actually see that this is now formalised. Um, before we kind of actually wrap up and, and start thinking about um, the transition piece, Helen, is there anything else in addition that's changed for RQTs around the early career framework or have we covered that all off now? I think we've pretty much covered it off. I think, you know, the, the like Andy said, the big thing is that your mentoring should continue and that CPD entitlement um, should continue into your RQT year. And I think for me, um, that's a significant step. And, you know, it's quite a big demand on schools um, to make sure that happens. But actually, in terms of building capacity in your school, um, it's a really good step forward. So instead of seeing, you know, it as a, a spend in terms of time or a spend in terms of effort, it's actually a real investment. Um, and if we invest that time in developing teachers, then, you know, the bottom line is schools are going to get better. I think sometimes we, we really overcomplicate school improvement. Um, but if we improve the quality of leadership in schools and we improve the quality of teaching, then the likelihood is that schools are going to get better and young people are going to get a better deal. And yeah. obviously the, the student impact is, is the reason that we're here. Um, so really, really significant point there. Andy, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I was just going to say the, the other kind of um, slight changes, the entitlement to the reduced timetable. 
in that second year as well, um, which I think, you know, it's only a small reduction, 5%, but it gives you that opportunity to go out and observe other teachers or to um, sit and really focus on your subject knowledge or invest that time in working with your mentor. So I think, you know, it's only a slight reduction, but that change from an, what was an NQT timetable up to a full main scale teacher is quite an abrupt sudden increase. So now that's more gradual and phased. I think that's um, a really positive step. So I think the transition also helps them to sort of focus about honing their craft and, and allowing them to broaden their skill set. So it allows them to sort of perhaps focus on different educational needs or different levels as we've discussed. So um, you, you, you certainly can't cover everything in you in one teaching year, as uh, I'm sure we'll all testify and we're still all learning. So uh, having that opportunity to have a bit more time to invest in your development in the second year has got to be a positive thing and a positive transition, um, certainly from my perspective. And I think you both agree as well. So just thinking about sort of. Uh, I think we've kind of touched on it, Andy, but are there any pitfalls to avoid when you are in your second year or a recently qualified teacher? I think for me, like I touched on before, I felt um, uh, probably like a bit of a sense of competition of other people that I know that I've trained with and that sense of like, oh, they're progressing in their career, they're picking up their first um, TLR, like a responsibility point within a department. Um, and like Helen kind of said before, that idea that it's not a race and actually spending that time just thinking about your own practice is um, very, very beneficial and worthwhile before you do feel um, that pressure. The other thing I'd say maybe is, um, yeah, I've spoken to a couple of people in that second year saying, oh, the training's a little bit repetitive. Um, you know, we're looking at these same ideas again that we covered last year, but, you know, it shouldn't be a case that the content is just repeated. But now we've got the ITT um, core framework that leads into the early career framework that then leads into the new NPQs, the leadership qualifications, and then the DFE are calling it like a golden thread that runs through them all from the start of the career up to NPQH, headship qualification, executive leadership. Um, you know, it's the idea of like a spiral curriculum and revisiting ideas, but really having the time to deepen them and, and kind of think about that mastery approach so you know there's a risk that if if the training isn't delivered well or isn't delivered thoughtfully it could seem repetitive but I think that can be avoided with careful planning. I think just building on what Andy said there as well like I think that's a really important point about the spiral curriculum for early career teachers and I think what we are seeing certainly with schools that I'm working with, is them giving some really careful thought to how CPD might be different for an RQT um, to a year one early career teacher. So that year two provision being significantly different and really promoting that idea of, of depth. Um, and I think you know, kind of alongside that for me, when we when we kind of think about those early career teachers, and really building their knowledge and their understanding. Um, it's tempting, isn't it, that we always have to think that we, we learn new things, um, but we don't always learn new things. I think one of the things to really encourage or think about if you are an RQT is you might not learn something new, but actually those CPD sessions give you a chance to perhaps 
reflect on something you already know to maybe think about it in a, a different way or a chance to kind of talk about it with others and see it from different perspectives because I think one of the things that grows as you work through your teaching career is that sense of perspective and that sense of the bigger picture. So when you start out, um, you're really focused a little bit tunnel vision on your own classes, the curriculum, and almost delivering. I think as you kind of move through from your training year to being an NQT or a year one ECT teacher into that RQT year two year, you start to get that bigger picture. Um, and I think taking the chance to just almost get your head up and look around you can be really, really valuable. And just to see things from different perspectives or to look at things in different ways um, is one of the things that really moves people on. Um, I don't know if either of you have a, a thought on that. I think absolutely. I think it, I totally agree. It's an opportunity to to reflect and really reinforce great teaching practice. And it also um, allows a time. I know we've in other podcasts we've touched on Rosenshine's principles of instruction and, and sort of thinking about how you can embed different practices and refine and, and refresh all of your sort of lessons and, and having that extra space is enabling you to really, really be the best teacher you possibly can be. It's also an opportunity for um, the RQT year to consider career progression opportunities and, and a chance to look at different pathways that are open to you um, and ensure that there's sort of training and support available that you can actually access. I've got a couple of um, case studies, actually, people quotes here that have um, gone through the pilots, and I think it would be really great for me to read a couple of these out and share these with you. So um, we've got here a, a primary map academy CT, um, and they're saying as an RQT, my focus has been on trying to raise the progress that my children make, which I do through better differentiation. And from generally developing my skills as a teacher, I still struggle with maths a bit and I've arranged to observe another teacher who's good at teaching maths to learn and to try and to develop my own practice in this area. So that's a really good kind of use of the second year, freeing up that space and reflection. Um, so are there any other kind of resources or recommendations that we can pinpoint um, second year ECTs? going on the framework and any areas that you'd recommend people focus on? Yeah, I think um, so schools will have signed up to one of six providers, so they went through like a tender process and have to be accredited by the Department for Education for um, providing that, that full support for the two years of the early career framework. And it is really quite extensive, the um, CPD support that um, that those providers have been able to establish. Or the other option is that schools have been able to um, design their own programs still aligned with the early career framework, but it's, um, you know, they've not had to go with the provider. They were able to decide upon that themselves um, while still making sure the program was rigorous. So there'll be all that support that they can tap into through those providers. Um, and equally, the new local teaching school hubs um, are a great source of support. But then also, um, you know, online websites, networking, um, Thursday Scholars, other training providers, 
um, where you've just got that time and space to, to think about your own development needs. Go on, sorry. I also think there are things that are useful, like the chartered college. Um, you know, as a early career teacher and a kind of whether you're year one or year two, um, taking out a membership with the chartered college can be really valuable because it, it really kind of connects you to research and practice and things that teachers are doing in other schools. And I think, you know, particularly in your RQT, uh, moving away from just that tunnel vision to starting to think really hard about how does research really inform practice, um, again, is, is something that's worth investing time in. I'd agree. I think there's a copy of the Chartered College Impact magazine on my desk and we make sure they're kind of visible in school for staff because there's just really good research in there. Um, but also, I think you mentioned last time, Helen, about subject networks. Um, so I'm a member of the National Association for Teachers of English about subject specific support um, and then obviously the, the more general pedagogy or curriculum work, something like Thirsty Scholars is a great kind of resource to go to um, to access that support. Yeah, it's great, great to hear you kind of sharing out some of the different resources that are out there and, and definitely we can pinpoint people to those different areas. Um, so I, I'll share with you a couple of other sort of quotes here. Um, another uh, ECT has said the RQT year is a lot about career progression and thinking about pathways. And actually, as we've alluded to, some of them aren't really ready to take on a natural development of a head of department. Um, and maybe it's too soon, but they're ambitious and, and and giving them sort of, you know, a level of opportunity to explore those pathways and shadow is always really, really uh, key. So it's great to hear sort of, you know, the positive experiences and, and certainly from our perspectives, we're seeing this as a, a positive change. So as we kind of start to wrap up this conversation, what would you say, Andy, would be your one key takeaway about the, the second recently qualified year, the second year, what, however we refer to it now? Um, what would your one key takeaway be for our listeners? Um, I think it's probably to not see it as an additional burden, not see it as more training that I've got to get through and, and probably like getting away from sometimes you see like language online of teachers talking about like surviving their NQT year or getting through the first part of their teaching career and actually that's that kind of negative language is not really um, a helpful approach to like seeing it as a fantastic opportunity to really benefit from that CPD and support and the training and having that really positive mindset about it would probably be my key takeaway. Helen what would you share as your kind of key takeaway? I think for me, um, again, it's like Andy said about your mindset. So mine would be make the most of your RQT year. Um, you know, it's a year where you do have um, additional mentor and support. It's a year where you do have an entitlement to that CPD. It's, you know, a year where you do have a slightly reduced timetable. And it's about really buying into that you know, showing some agency, taking ownership of it and getting as much as possible as you can from those opportunities. Um, having a mentor, I think, at any stage of your career is really valuable. Having somebody where you can talk to them about things, sound things out, 
you know, somebody who to who you can almost think with. So for me, it would just be as simple as just make the most of it. See it as an opportunity. I think that's a, a, a positive way to end the conversations today. So uh, just to wrap up, really in reflection, the second year of uh, the early career framework is an opportunity. It's a chance for reflection. It's a chance for embedding additional um, resources or shadowing, particularly if you've got a reduced timetable, still working with your mentor if you're able. Um, I love the concept, Helen, of taking agency and ownership of your own career pathway and development, and that should definitely be encouraged and approaching it with a positive mindset as well is, is excellent. Thank you again for our experts today, Helen Morgan and Andy Bridge. It's always a pleasure and delight to unpack and explore these opportunities. Um, and in our next podcast, we'll actually be returning to review Rosenshine's principles of instruction again. We're looking at step six, which is checking for student understanding. Um, and if you hadn't, haven't had a chance to uh, follow those up, we uh, we will be focusing on um, different areas on Rosenshine's principles of instruction. So in our previous podcast, those have also been covered. Um, in this episode next week, we will be exploring the main benefits of checking for understanding, which is suggested by Rosenshine and includes elements such as gathering, gaining feedback and the importance of nurturing and encouraging learners to elaborate on their knowledge. Um, these are uh, also available for free. Alongside, we have a number of Twilight Toolkit webinars through Thirsty Scholars that are available. So please visit Thirsty Scholars Partnership website and search for our webinars. Lots of different top tips and strategies, particularly if you're new to sort of teaching. You can pick up our After the Bell podcast, which is released on a weekly basis, and it's aimed to provide quick tips and discussions with our experts around all things educational on your daily commute, on your treadmill or your focus for the day. Thank you very much for joining us.